Welcome to episode 161 of the Muck Podcast, a member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Listen in as we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true story in American politics. I'm Tina Hadamio. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary. <laughs> First of all, so let me say happening. something. Let me say something to you. Listen. <laughs> I, uh, editing the podcast last week and then also watching our YouTube because I do subscribe. Maybe oh. you should too. Subscribe yes. to our YouTube. Ooh, subscribe. <laughs> um, we need those likes. Yeah. Sub numbers. What's your subs number? Yeah. Um, I have so many subs. <laughs> <laughs> um, bruh, it has been so long since I blew up like that on the podcast oh. and it was like at the end of it when I looked over at you and the look on your face was like, <laughs> what the fuck? But I used to do that all the time. Oh, yeah. All the time. And I was like, It was Why? a good rant, though. It was fine. But I, I, there's a couple of things that happened. First of all, your delivery of these stories is infuriating. <laughs> you know, because Tina's just telling you what's going on like this. Like, it's normal that this thing has happened. And what are we going to do? And it's just like this. And, I, and I'm just like, right? <laughs> explode. But I think there was, I just spent so many fucking years, especially to like, especially the first few years of this podcast, I was very unhappy in my life. And so it wasn't just on the podcast that I would explode. It was in any aspect. Like if I'm driving and someone's being a dick and I start fucking screaming or the person in front of me, the bank's taking too long or whatever. I was just always like looking for wound. a place. You were wound. Yeah. To like, that who can I take this out on, you know? Yeah. And so those stories would make me insane and I would explode. But now I'm just like this. Not, I mean, life's not, I'm not, I mean, I'm a lot less angry and frustrated. <laughs> that's for sure. But I haven't done that. So even when I was editing it and I heard it back, because believe me, even when you put up clips on Saturday and Sunday, you put up like video clips. There's times when I listen to it less than 24 hours later. And I'm like, I didn't remember even <laughs> saying that, you know, where I'm like, what? Oh my God. So to heat, when I started to edit it and I heard myself, I was like, oh my God, no, it's it was so, so hard to listen we, to that. So, but we got two great comments regarding your rant. One from our, our lovely uh, patron, um, Annette. Oh, yes. Oh, oh we love Annette. Oh, I my love God. Annette. Talk about a podcast super fan. Yes, she's amazing. Annette is amazing. amazing love, love, amazing, love, love, amazing, love. Amazing, amazing. We need to take road trips to our Midwest. We I can know. visit so many people in that whole Midwest area. That's true. But Annette is in Ohio, I believe. Correct yes. me if I'm wrong. So yes. we definitely need to go have a drink or please oh. come to Florida. Oh. I know it's a crazy wild uh, place, yeah. but we will show you a good time, yes. Annette. Come and yes. have a girls weekend with us. We would love that. Wouldn't you that can sleep fun? in my house. Oh! <laughs> Hearts, hey. I don't know you personally, but fuck it. <laughs> I'll, I'll roll the dice on this one. I'll roll the dice. You can sit in on a podcast. Talk about a VIP oh weekend. That would be so fun. That we should do it. So fun. Anytime. Oh, yeah. and then um, the dear, sweet, amazing, incredible Margaret. Oh, love her. And she sent the most love. I have to still respond, Margaret. <laughs> but we did get your but email. We got your email and it was so good. And um, did you read it through it? I did. I did. Oh, it was it very just, sweet. It made me so happy. Yeah, and, it was very sweet. And she's just like, you know, keep on raging basically. Like, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that, it felt good to hear that. It does, except, you know, my problem with, like with most things with politics, um, especially in Florida where we're losing 
Democrats and some sort of like sense of what's right and wrong. I feel like every single day, um, it seems like we're so alone in this, you know, yeah. and I know that was a story from, you know, 1918, but, uh, it could seriously be done today. And yeah. I think that if we start, if we, if we overly exhaust people, which is what the political system has done and the news cycle and all those things where people just want to turn on, I want to say American Idol, but I don't know if people watch it anymore. They, <laughs> any kind of uh, house, real housewives yeah. instead of anything, um, but something that's actually really affecting their real life. Um, uh, you know, this is what happens. We take our eye off the ball. Look at Roe got overturned. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, yes, the rage is is necessary. Even Alfredo in his beautiful speech thanked me for my my Aww. truth. My voice brings truth or something like that. Yeah. It was very beautiful, very very sweet. Um, but you know. It doesn't mean anything if I'm the only one or you're the only one, you know, and if we're the only ones talking about these things and bringing attention to them or screaming about them, what the fuck? Like it doesn't, we need a million people doing it. Yeah. I mean, cause my list, nobody gives a fuck what I say. Nobody cares, and, but we need more people talking about it. And, and I think there needs to be, and there has been a lot of attention on Florida, but like people need to understand, like, this is sort of like the framework for what could happen to the rest of the country. Right, right. Like really, like we need, I mean, it has every day. And, and I think I said this in a, in a, in a group chat with you. It's, I feel like mm -hmm. I can't keep up with it. Yeah. And, and it's more and more and more and more upsetting, you know, like the whole new college thing with DeSantis. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if people realize outside the state of Florida, like what new college was like that was that school really it was a place for kids who were you know transgender non-conforming part of the lgbtq community to go and feel safe on mm -hmm. campus so it's no surprise that that is the college that desantis targeted first right like this is a clear attack on that community to gut i mean they want to get rid of faculty there mm -hmm. they're going to get rid of faculty the president's like, already they, out the president's oh yeah, out. the president's out. They want, but they want to put forward a bill that would like fire all of the faculty so that they can rehire to keep this classic type. That that's the language they use. Like we want to get back to the classics and classic, you know, education. You know, where it's like, you know, let's look at Aristotle or the Greeks or you know, like the the early writers. Like basically, whites, whites. That's what this is. It's you know, uh, it's like it's like that happening, open carry happening. The six-week abortion ban happening, books bans, book bans happening. Like it's all in a week, all in a week. Like it's it was a very so this was a very much very trying week. I, I I and it was not the week for me to be fucking handling it. Like I honestly was gonna call you yesterday morning and tell you I cannot record today. Oh. I was so fucked this whole week. It's just personal things too, but then on top of it, uh, all of this stuff happening in Florida, I I can't help but take it personally. I can't help but take I feel it personally. The same way. And so I had to like stay off of Twitter for uh most of the week. Like yeah. it was very difficult. We should not be in a place in this country where US House members are wearing AR fifteen oh pins on the floor of the house. And and what what are you doing? <sighs> what what are you doing? What are you doing? You can be first, you know, pro second amendment and not be so fucking offensive where people have lost kindergartners. I know. Uvalde happened last year. My God. Uvalde, where some kids were locked in a classroom with a murderer for 
four or five uh, hours, hours, hours that, where, the, the and watch one person after the, the other be murdered, children in front of them, spread, spread, taking blood from a dead classmate and smearing it over their bodies to look like they've already been shot. Children did that. With an AR-15, the gun that you're wearing on your jacket, children have been, will suffer for the rest of their lives because of this. They don't care. And, and, and the, the act, absolute insensitivity to families and children who have suffered from mass shootings. And, it and, just, and, and, and I say children, but yeah. it happens everywhere. It no. happens fucking everywhere. Right. But children, the most innocent among us, we are not protecting. We're not protecting. You want to protect life. You want to you want to regulate my body and protect life. They don't. But you don't want to protect children in classrooms. You want to wear a pin. To what? To what? What does that represent? That you want people to walk around with AR-15s? That's what you want to do? It's just in complete insanity. And it's all for clicks. It's all for attention. Right. It's all saying nonsense and representing nonsense for attention why don't you just do your jobs why don't you just do your fucking jobs because believe me marjorie taylor green from fucking georgia i guarantee there's a ton of fucking issues in her district that need to have attention right but she's fucking playing games and 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 doing pranks and stunts, just like I mean. But I, she's I, an you know, idiot. She's an idiot. She you, wouldn't even know how to solve. You a brought problem. this up a couple weeks ago with Katie Porter reading that like how not to give a fuck about yeah. life or whatever the book. It's a stunt. Yes. I just want all the stunts to stop. Can yeah. we all just stop with the fucking stupid bullshit? It's just ridiculous. And they're wearing these, you know, AR-15s on their lapels. How many of them actually even served? Right in the art, like these are military grade weapons and they want to pretend it's all of this show of like, look how tough we are. And, you know, uh, uh, this is our God given right. It's ridiculous. And even in Florida with that open carry, when, when the, uh, the questions are asked, you know, if it's permitless carry, you don't have to that's have a what permit. It, it's not open carry yet. Right. It's not open carry yet. That'll it's, be next session. Don't next worry. Session. Don't worry. It's coming. But permitless carry this idea that you don't have to have the permit on you while you're carrying a gun. And then, well, what happens if something happens? Well, when something happens, then we'll know. That's what the Speaker of the House. When something happens, then we'll know. So let somebody get killed first. That Speaker. Then do you have your life. I I don't get it. It's unbelievable. It is a sick obsession, personally, to be so desperate for weapons. I don't understand it. This guy, Paul, is it Paul Renner? He's the Speaker of yes. the House for Florida. Oh, God. In, at the press conference, he was asked very specific questions yeah. about what this means for a permitless carry in yeah. Florida. And they said, well, how would you know if they have mental health issues? How do you know if they have domestic violence yeah. issues? How do you know? Well, we'll we, we won't know unless something happens. Yeah, great. So Someone has to die. And by the way, let's bring up our sister, our sister uh, state, Texas. Oh, God. They are now, there's now a bill being going through their legislative session right now, they have laws on the books that anyone who's been arrested um, or uh, for domestic violence or um, someone that police go to their house and there's domestic violence issue, they take the guns from the house and they hold them until things are cleared up or whatever. Good. uh, To protect because women are the ones who suffer from these 
issues. When there's domestic violence and there's a gun involved, right. it's the woman and who's killed. And we talked about a story a few weeks ago where, um, I, I don't remember the state, but where they changed the laws to so that it could be written down like, oh, we've been called out to this house before. Yes. What's the scale? Yes. So that, th- that women can be more It was protected. the woman who was killed by her, the... Um, her husband in the driveway, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus so, Christ. But, but, but those so laws taking, are put in place to protect women because women, a lot of the time- if Or even in, children, if there's children, children in the house. But when people are in abusive relationships, yeah. they'll drop charges. They do, you know, because they're in an abusive relationship and then they feel guilty. Oh, so he's going to get in trouble because of me. Not because he's a dick. Anyway, in Texas, they're trying to change yeah. take that away. They're trying to take that off. That's what they're trying to do. And why? Like, I don't get it. In in unchecked anger, a man who is abusive in the house will have access to his guns. Someone who's already been the volatile and the violence that has all escalated now to where the police are called, the woman's being beaten, and now you're going to continue to allow that person to have an to to be armed. And and those things happen like it's that spur of the moment. It's a moment of rage, right? Yep. It's a moment of rage. You know, and, that and I, I think they would get the guns back when they went through like anger management. Like there was things they yeah. had to do to actually get their weapons yeah, God back. God forbid we ask a man to think about his actions. How many women will die from this? Or children, whoever's in the house. How many people will die because of that? How many people are going to die in Florida because you don't need to have a permit? All of the, by the way, when Nikki Freed was the commissioner of agriculture who handles the right. licensing for guns, who now is Wilton Simpson, who's a fucking lackey of Ron DeSantis. He was just the president of the Senate and then gave DeSantis everything he wanted in the last session so that DeSantis would remove his candidate from that race for the commissioner of agriculture. As soon as the session was over, that guy who was running against Wilton Simpson for the commissioner of agriculture re- withdrew yeah. his, his, his candidacy because he received a note from DeSantis saying, I got, you can, you can step out now because that was the only reason he was there was to pressure Wilton Simpson to do the things he wanted in the Senate. Okay. That's what he fucking did. And so Wilton Simpson is now the commissioner of agriculture and he's in charge of these permits. Do you think he's going to fight any of this? Huh. Do you think he's going to say what's best for the people of Florida against DeSantis who he could thank for his job? Yeah, give me a break. So anyway, Nikki Freed re- took the license away from anybody from Florida who was arrested in, in, on January 6th for going in for that building. Anybody who committed those crimes and, and against the United States of America, treason, right? She took their licenses away. There was a yeah. lot of people from Florida. They're all going to get their licenses back. Oh, of course. More, <sighs> I know. It's infuriating. And so I ask you this, what are we still doing here? I, I I'm, don't know. I'm, I'm seriously asking this question. I oh, want to get my kids through school. Like I want to get them through school. And I'm telling you after that, I cannot live here any longer. First of all, I can't afford it. Yeah. I can't afford it. That's where we are. And we're in the same boat. So I don't know what to do after this. I, 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 but this is not the place for me anymore. And I would love to stay and fight, but I can't be the lone voice. And it can't be, even when we went to that rally in Tallahassee, there should have been a million women standing outside that building. Oh, yeah, no you way. know, there should be Young a people. real force trying to do something, but we can't do that. And the party is a disaster. It doesn't exist. And so what are we doing? What are we doing? And I can't, I'd love to stay and fight. I'd love to stay and fight. But even the people who we've talked to who are like stay and fight, they're political (sighs) lackeys. They make their living in politics. Yeah. 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 So them staying to fight means their pockets get lined. Not mine. Right. I don't. 
I'm losing money. I would love a real fucking session about homeowners insurance. But oh you know God. what they're doing a special session for next week? Reedy Creek. Oh God, Disney's I know. Reedy Creek. I saw that. It's like, come on. Which, it's by, like- which by the way, they're stepping. The, the whole session is going to be now. The government is going to take over Disney's fucking business. I know their government business is going to be taken over, which means development will be slowed down. You this they because they issue their own permits. They do yeah. their own thing. It's it, the government stepping in on a business. Yes, this is. Oh, God, we, we don't want big government, though. No big government. The biggest, no big government. the most money that comes They're into the liars. state of Florida. The biggest, like, money making corporation in the state of Florida is Disney, and you're gonna fuck with them. Yep. Really, really, dude, makes a lot of sense. That makes so much fucking sense. I can't take it. The other thing I want to mention because it's been is the book banning. Mm. That's continuing. And Moms for Liberty, I don't know if you know this, they've started a secondary organization called Moms for Libraries in Broward County. And they want to deliver books to our schools. The publishing, here's some of them. Um, one book, it's called from the publishing house, Brave Books, American Cornerstone Institute, Good and True Media, The Tuttle Twins, And when you look, it's basically really white. And uh, one of the books that they promote is Elephants Are Not Birds. We know what that's about. It's a children's book. So their books are allowed. Their ideologies. Tuttle Twins sounds familiar. What the fuck is that? Oh, they are, um, I guess if you see them, you would know. Like they have a bunch of different books. Sounds Um, familiar. So it's... So incredibly frustrating because I would want to say, well, let's ban those books, but we can't ban those books because the whole point is no book should be banned, right? And I understand maybe at an elementary level when they're like, oh, the color purple, like, first of all, no one in kindergarten is reading the color purple. So dumb. Right? And then, but at a high school level, the idea that we want to take away texts that make students uncomfortable or deal with uncomfortable things like sexual assault or like racism. I'm sorry, like there are kids that do experience sexual assault. You know, there are people who have experienced racism and it's important to understand that history. Number two, what is gonna happen to the kids in the state of Florida when we are not engaging them in any rigorous critical thinking? How are they competing at the college level how are they, because on AP exams, the color purple has been on there before. Other types of texts are, have been on there before. If they get a question that deals with how has a character dealt with a particular issue like racism, they can't write about it because they're not even allowed to read about it. You know what I mean? Like, how is this impacting our kids? What college in another state is going to want to take any kid from the state of Florida? Honestly, they're going to go, oh, from that education system where they don't read where they don't have access to anything, honestly. And then the people coming into this place are going to be a bunch of people sending, I'm sorry, a bunch of their conservative kids. Like, I don't want my children around that. And I don't know how to combat it. I don't know how to combat it, but they have. They do. Look at this. They got another, now they got a new organization. Yeah, this is their little thing. Uh, Acknowledging the crisis across our nation with inappropriate reading material and the attack on innocent minds. Again, I ask you, what crisis? (laughs) I, my children oh have been in school God. for te- nine years and nine years and I've never seen a crisis about books and ever. But here is the thing. And neither have they. But here's the thing. 
If I want my child to read these books, they can't because of you. I don't think that's fair. Why does your Christian ideology have to impact my child's education? And the same thing, like at, at these college campuses with um, um, the, the ye, ye was right tables popping up everywhere at FAU, which is right here. I told you that last week. Which is right yes. here, right? And the, the, the FAU Republicans, they had a whole, like, I, cause I, I was like, well, let's see what's going on with this group. They, they were uh, all upset about a drag show that was happening on campus. They were like, they had a whole thing because I guess the, the college put out like banned books week and they're like, come to the library, check out banned books. First of all, adults, right, at college. And they're like, how dare the university have uh, like th- these books that are against cri- our Christian beliefs. You're at a public university. If you want to go have your Christian beliefs, go to a, a, a religious college. If you, if you know, it's the same thing with abortion. You don't like abortion. Don't have an abortion. You don't want, you hate a band. You hate this book about sexual assault. Don't fucking read it. But like, here's the other thing like too. Like Jesus. But let's stop for a minute. Because again, I will say, these are problems that never existed. They're problems that DeSantis put a little wand out and said, let's talk about books. Put a little wand out. Let's talk about drag shows. Yeah. These were never a problem. And all of these minions- these mindless, numb, stupid pieces of shit <laughs> who have nothing else to do follow his lead. The Florida Republican Club or whatever it is at FAU, these kids, believe me, I'm calling them children, <laughs> have other things to do. But they said, oh, there's a ban. Maybe we should do this because DeSantis is against banned books. There's idiots on Twitter that one pesky no good, probably living off of welfare, no job piece of shit, I'm not even going to say his name, who harasses people with his camera all over. I think I've been on one of his videos screaming at him in an abortion thing. But he had he was a nobody before, and he just gloms onto these issues that somebody else has made up. Get a job. Yeah. Get a life. Get a life. And stop bothering people. None of these things a year ago... This guy didn't know what a drag show was. A year ago, two years ago, Moms for Liberty didn't exist. These are groups that are created out of DeSantis's mindless fucking make-believe bullshit. And these fucking idiots glom on so they can get their own attention and have what did they perceive as their own power to go viral somewhere, to stand for something that is not an issue. And if you really want to fight for children, there are, I just, I cannot stop reading these articles about children who have lunch debt at school, who have, cannot afford to pay for lunch. That's a real issue. Children that go home without food and this is their only meal of the day is at the public school and they, they have lunch debt. That's a real thing. You can make an impact on kids and help them. Not books. Not drag shows. If you really are worried about children, look at the issues that are impacting homeless. The amount of homeless children that live in their cars with their families is a real fucking thing. Yes, and here, here. like everywhere. It's everywhere. And if you think in the state of Florida with the homeowner's insurance going up the way it is and how much rent is, we're in a housing crisis across the entire fucking state. If you think there aren't homeless children that go to school every day hungry and then have lunch debt, you that is where you can really help people. It's not with fucking banning books. 
These kids are in need. And if you want to help them find a real cause that does it, stop following DeSantis and his make-believe shit. I know. It's fucking exhausting. And, and the thing that makes me, it, the, the other thing is, it's the irony of it all. Like, the, the irony, like, they don't see, like, we don't want big government, but they are big government. You know, like, it's like uh, the Moms for Liberty have, the, have their shirts that are like, we do not co-parent with the government. Yes, you do. You're co-parenting with DeSantis. And you're trying to co-parent my kid, motherfucker. Yeah, get the <laughs> fuck out. I don't want you. What? And, and it's these women. They One co-parent for I, me is enough. Uh, okay. God. One is enough. These women, and they all have the same fucking look. You know. They're rich prob- and uh, probably some so very like poor. Stay at home. You know, they're Swear powerless. Stay at yeah. Homes. Yeah, they left. And Ugh. I mean, I want to give you a whole rundown, but I know. I know I will start insulting people. And it's like, and, and they little, have nothing little, else to do but yoga. That's all I'm going to say. Well, hey, I, and I this, mean, this gives them some sort of like, like I'm powerful. I like yoga. I like Whatever yoga. the fuck. That's, but that's all they <laughs> but, do, Tina. You but, do it on your free time. That's their life. Yeah. Is their fucking and yoga it, pants and like, I don't know what else to do with myself. Oh, I'll feel <laughs> important for five minutes. And fucking DeSantis will, will appoint me to go on a yes, board somewhere. It's Just so do stupid. nothing numbskull. I got to I got my fucking story's on. long bitch. All right, let's go. Let's go. Oh fuck. Uh, freedom to choose. Fuck you. <laughs> freedom to choose. Nobody has a freedom of, of choice. We want to have freedom to choose. That's they that and the balls. It's literally it's the opposite. The balls that they even can say that. Yeah. And they and again, they don't see the irony. These fucking dumbasses. You know Sorry. what? You know what it sounds like? It sounds like they were educated in Florida. It sounds like a bunch of indoctrinated Where'd you go to school? Florida? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And my kids are going to my kids are going to be in school under this fucking shit for the yeah. next fucking 5 years. My kids are going to be god. <laughs> I'm fucking I can't fucking do it, bro. I can't. I'm done. I already told them my kids. As soon as my son graduates high school, I'm fucking out. I'm out. I'm out. <sighs> We got to go somewhere. I don't give a fuck. Well, we already, I mean, we, we've been, uh, I'm you know, so trapped. I'm not, I'm, I'm, and I love my parents. I will put them on my back and piggyback the fuck out of the state. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. Let's yeah. go. Let's go. Let's go. I'm out. All right. Let's do this. Okay. So in honor of, uh, black history month and, uh, DeSantis's war on his black history, we're going to do the Rosewood massacre. Oh, so the Rosewood Massacre was a racially motivated massacre of black people and the destruction of a black town that took place during the first week of January 1923 in rural Levy, Levy County, Florida. At least six black people and two white people were killed, but eyewitness accounts suggested a higher death toll of 27 to 150 people. Wow. The town of Rosewood was completely destroyed in what contemporary news reports characterized as a race riot. Wow. Where... where um. Levi like, County is on the West Coast. It's probably, it's, it's near like Tampa, St. Pete, okay. maybe just a little south of San, uh, the. Okay, okay. Okay. So Rosewood was settled in 1847, mi- nine miles east of Cedar Key near the Gulf of Mexico. Most of the local economy drew on the timber industry. The name Rosewood refers to the reddish color of the cut cedar wood. Two pencil mills were founded nearby in Cedar Key. Local residents also worked in several turpentine mines and saw sawmill three miles away in Sumner in addition to farming of citrus and cotton the hamlet which is like a little small little town grew (laughs) enough to warrant the construction of a post office and train depot on the Florida Railroad in 1870 but it was never incorporated as a town initially Rosewood had both black and white settlers 
when most of the cedar trees in the area had been cut by 1890, the pencil mills closed and many white residents moved to Sumner, which is the next town okay. over. By 1900, the population of Rosewood uh, had become predominantly black. The village of Sumner was predominantly white and relations between the two communities were relatively amicable. By the 1920s, almost everyone in Rosewood was distantly related to each other. So when I start to get into talking about very specific people, um, they're all somehow related to everyone in the story. Um, Cousins or grandmothers or aunts or uncles, like everybody really knew each other in this very, very small area. Okay. Okay, so the population of Rosewood peaked in 1915 at 355 people. They had three churches, a school, a large Masonic hall, a turpentine mill, a sugarcane mill, a baseball team named the Rosewood Stars, and two general stores, one of which was white-owned. The village had about a dozen two-story wooden plank homes and other... other small two-room houses and several small unoccupied plank farm and storage structures. But this sounds like a like a yeah. cute quaint little place. It would place. be it, when I there's a picture. There's like one building still standing in this town, and it's exactly what would you would think about an old yeah. Florida house. You know, Aww. some families own pianos, organs, and other symbols of middle class prosperity. Survivors of Rosewood remember it as a happy place. Oh. In 1995, survivor Robbie Morton recalled at age 79 that when she was a child there, that wrote, quote, Rosewood was a town where everyone's house was painted. There were roses everywhere you walked. It was lovely, end quote. Okay, so racial tension. I'm emotional already. (laughs) We're going to cry. Racial tension in this time was all over, okay, because we got... Well, it's you Jim know, Crow Jim Crow's and, happening yeah. and white people are scared out of their fucking tits. Racial violence at the time was common throughout the nation, manifested as individual incidents of extra legal actions or attacks on entire communities. Lynchings reached a peak around the start of the 20th century as southern states were disenfranchising black voters and imposing white supremacy. White supremacists used it as a means of social control throughout the South. In 1866, Florida as did many Southern states, passed laws called Black Codes, disenfranchising black citizens. Although these were quickly overturned, sounds familiar. DeSantis and all his shit being overturned constantly. Um, And black citizens enjoyed a brief period of improved social standing by the late 19th century. Black political influence was virtually nil. The white Democratic-dominated legislature passed the poll tax in 1885, which largely served to disenfranchise all poll poor voters so not just white black people white people as well losing political power black voters suffered a deterioration of their legal and political rights in the years following without the right to vote they were excluded as jurors and could not run for office effectively excluding them from the political process and this is why when we say reparations right like when we say oh well they've been free slaves were free for 100 years not really though but not really and I know I know that we've talked about it before, but man, you know, if, if we would have just taken a page, I mean, Germany happened later, but if they would have said no to these statues, no, we're not naming roads after anybody, no, you can't have a Confederate flag, and 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 tried people for treason and killed people, maybe things would have been a little better in this country. Mm. Like we really, you know, no, because the government was all white men. You right, know, but and they so they're needed, not going they, they to. They needed to hold the South accountable, and they didn't do it. And that's now this festering, festering, disgusting thing that has spilled over into everything. I believe there's still parts of Florida, including this area, that are still killing black people. 
Probably. You know, I think people are still, I think there's still this deep rooted shit happening. I mean, my, come on. Uh, yeah. Like Tyree Nichols in Memphis. They call, they call these mo- modern day lynchings. They are. You know, this is what That's they exactly are. George Floyd is. is a modern day lynching. You know, a black man was lynched today. You see those signs up when something like this happens. It's the same fucking thing. It's the same thing. Doesn't matter that they're black cops. Get the fuck with it. And, and, and like we, we are, we are in a dangerous place in our, in our time in history. We are, it's like that time, it, 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 you know, like when, before Nazi, Nazi Germany didn't just happen, right? Right. People saw it happening. We are in that place in America. Absolutely. Where, where we are witnessing it happen. And, and frankly, like my husband, and I talk about it all the time. Like, you know, it's going to get like, and we're, so, the, the idea of America is going to end. Right. And we see it coming. So here's my question. We see it coming, but every, all democracies fall, but, but they all fall. What are you going to do about it? Like, that's the question. What are you going to do? We what are you? To, what are you gonna do? You gonna sit at home and watch it happen this country because up. it doesn't affect you, or are you gonna fucking stand up and yeah. do something? But you know what? It's time to break the United States up. All We're right, let's get back to the big. story. This this is I gonna know. be too long, Tina. Sorry, Tina gets into fucking breaking up the country. We gotta I know break it's time, up I know the it's time country. to move up and move on. I know we got to though. <laughs> the United States as a whole Done. was experiencing rapid social changes, an influx of European immigrants, industrialization, and growth of cities, and political experimentation in the North. In the South, Black Americans grew increasingly dissatisfied with their lack of economic opportunity and status as second-class citizens. The KKK was strong in the Florida cities of Jacksonville and Tampa. Miami's chapter was chapter was influential. In enough to hold initiations at the Miami Country Club. <laughs> the Klan also flourished in wow. small towns of the South where racial violence had a long tradition dating back to the Reconstruction era. White mob action frequently occurred in towns throughout North and Central Florida and went unchecked by local law enforcement. Extrajudicial, part of it. Yeah, extrajudicial violence against black residents was so common that it was seldom covered by newspapers. University of Florida historian David Colburn connects growing concern of sexual intimacy between the races to what occurred in Rosewood. Quote, Southern culture had been constructed around a set of mores and values which places white women at its center and in which the purity of their conduct and their manners represented the refinement of that culture. An attack on women not only represented a violation of the South's most foremost taboo, but it also threatened to dismantle the very nature of Southern society, end quote. Oh, please. And this is the fucking thing. When you go back and look at how many black men were lynched and killed because because of white women. Yeah. It's fucking infuriating. It's disgusting. And our complicity, our what we were involved with as white women is one of the most horrific things. And I have to tell you, it continues today when we vote for people who do not protect us, when we make moms for liberty yeah. and we're not protecting everyone's children, we're attacking a system for everyone or attack voting for people who are taking away your bodily autonomy. You're doing the same thing. You're not, just, you're not hurting yourself. Right, because these women who who pointed the finger at black men and said he attempted to rape me or he did rape me right. when they were having sex and and having other relations with uh-huh. people and trying to cover up the fact that they were fucking around, which is what happens here. Like you're you, yeah. you're fine, but the the wave of what happens from that the the women who are poor, women of color, working class women, immigrant women who are affected by these abortion laws and lives will be so much worse off. Because you have put yourself and what you think is right ahead of everyone else. else. Yeah. Ugh. I'm I'm it's shameful to me. I'm ashamed of it. 
We all should be. The transgression of sexual taboos subsequently combined with the arming of black citizens to raise fears among whites of an impending race war in the South. Okay, so Rosewood. The Rosewood massacre occurred after a white woman in Sumner claimed she had been assaulted by a black man. Frances Fanny Taylor was 22 years old in 1923 and married to James, a 30-year-old millwright employed by uh, Cummer and Sons in Sumner. They lived with their two young children. They lived in Sumner with their two young children. James's job required him to leave each day during the darkness of early morning. Neighbors remember Fanny Taylor as very peculiar. She was meticulously clean, scrubbing the cedar floors with bleach so that they shone white. On January 1st, 1923, the Taylor's neighbor reported that she heard a scream while it was still dark, grabbed her revolver, and ran next door to find Fanny bruised and beaten with scuff marks across the white floor. Taylor was screaming that someone needed to get her baby. She said a black man was in her house, and he had come through the back door and assaulted her. The neighbor found the baby, but no one else. Taylor's initial report stated her assailant beat her about the face but did not rape her. Rumors circulated, widely believed by the whites and Sumner, that she had been raped and robbed. The neighbor also reported the absence that day of Taylor's laundress, Sarah Carrier, whom the white woman in Sumner called Aunt Sarah. So Sarah Carrier becomes an important person. She's a black woman who lives in Rosewood. Again, part of like lots and of family there. She was there. supposed to be what at the house. Like, Maybe she was supposed her, to be like, that morning. Laundry or Maybe. Whatever. Maybe. So here's a side note. Years later, Carrier's granddaughter, Philomena Goines, uh, told a different story about uh, Fanny Taylor and what happened that day. She said she had joined her grandmother Carrier at Taylor's home as usual that morning, and they watched a white man leave by the back door later in the morning before noon. And she said Taylor did emerge from her home showing evidence of having been beaten, but it was well after the morning. Carrier's grandson, Arnett Goyne, sometimes went with them and he had seen this white man before. And the carrier told others in the black community what they had seen and the black community of Rosewood believed that Fanny Taylor had a white lover and that they had gotten into a fight that day and he beat her. And when the man left the Taylor's house, he went to Rosewood because he knew he could hide there and none of the white people would find him there. Like she was oh. having an affair. That's so what they're he alleging. Took, oh, so he takes off to Rosewood thinking, oh, she's going to call me out. But then yeah. meanwhile, she lies. She lies and says a black man did this to her. Because, because when her husband comes home from work that night and she's all beaten up, right. what is she going to say? I'm having an affair and my yeah. boyfriend did this to me? What an asshole. Okay. So she throws it off and says that a black man did this. Well, again, we're talking like, let's talk about the set of the stage. We, we're sitting in a very fearful South. This is a, this is a fear wow. of a poor white woman. She oh, gets attacked from a black man immediately. So back to that day, Levon County Sheriff Robert Elias Walker quickly raised a posse and started an investigation. When they learned that Jesse Hunter, a black prisoner had escaped from a chain gang, they began to search to question him about Taylor's attack. So now all of a sudden it's like, Oh, this guy's um. out. He it's attacked him, her. Right. <laughs> because when you escape from a chain gang, you know, the first thing you want to do is go rape yeah. a white woman. You don't well, want to like escape and get the fuck out of town. Yeah. Right. You're going to hang around. <laughs> Men arrived from all around the area to help with the search, adding confusion to the events recounted later as many as 400 white men began to gather. Oh, this is in a town of less than 300 people. Yeah. Forget or about, about 300 people. Sheriff Walker deputized some of them, but was a unable to initiate them all. Oh, please. Walker asked for dogs from a nearby convict camp, but one dog may have been used by a group of men without Walker's authority. So like just fucking random dogs searching for people as if they're trained to do that. Dogs led a group of about 100 to 150 men to the home of Aaron Carrier, Sarah's nephew. 
Sarah Carrier from earlier. Oh, no. Aaron was taken outside where his mother begged the men not to kill him. He was tied to a car and dragged <gasps> no. to Sumner. Sheriff Walker put Carrier in protective custody at the county seat in Bronson to remove him from the men in the posse, many of whom were drinking and acting on their oh, own authority. Oh, my God. A group of white vigilantes who had become a mob by this time seized Sam Carter, a local blacksmith and teamster who worked at the turpentine mill. They tortured Carter <gasps> into admitting that he had hidden the escaped chain gang prisoner. Oh my God. Of course, when you're being tortured, of this course. is how they always got, we just, I did this story a few weeks ago. They okay. always got it from beating and threatening of people. Of course. They tortured, okay. Carter led the group to the spot in the woods where he said he had taken Hunter, but the dogs weren't able to pick up a scent because it's not a fucking real story. It's not real. Oh my to God. To the surprise of many witnesses, someone fatally shot Carter <gasps> in the face. The group hung Carter's mutilated <gasps> body from a tree as a symbol to other black men in the area. Some in the mob took souvenirs of his clothes, which you've oh. done stories before, which was a thing. They cut a piece of his clo clo their clothes off. Survivors suggest that Taylor's lover fled to Rosewood because he knew he was in trouble and had gone to the home of Aaron Carrier, a fellow Marine and Mason. Carrier and Carter, another Mason, the Sam Carter who was just killed, covered the, uh, covered the fugitive in the black of a wagon. Carter took him to a nearby river, led him out of the wagon, then returned home to where the, met, they, the mob met him. Um, and they found his scent, right? So after lynching Sam Carter, the mob met Sylvester Carrier, Aaron's cousin oh my God. and Sarah's son. His whole family. Sarah's son, who we talked to, who was the, yeah. um, they met him on the road and they told him to get out of town. Carrier refused. And then the mob moved on. He suggested gathering as many people as possible for protection. So now he gets back into town and he's like, every, all the black people get your fucking guns. Yeah. And, Cause they're coming. Despite Jesus. the efforts of Sheriff Walker and Mill Supervisor W.H. Pillsbury to disperse the mobs, white men continued to gather. On the evening of January 4th, 1923, a mob of armed white men went to Rosewood and surrounded the house of Sarah Carrier. Oh my God, this poor woman. It was filled with approximately 15 to 25 people seeking refuge, including many children oh hiding upstairs God. under mattresses. No. Some of the children were in the house because they were visiting their grandmother for Christmas. It's just, you know, it's a week, couple days after Christmas that's all happened. They were protected by Sylvester Carrier and possibly two other men, but Carrier may have been the only one who was armed. He had a reputation of being proud and independent. In Rosewood, he was a formidable character, a crack shot, expert hunter, and music teacher who was simply called Man. Uh, many white people considered him arrogant and disrespectful. Oh, fuck off. Sylvester Carrier was reported in the New York Times for saying that the attack on Fanny Taylor, Taylor was, quote, an example of what Negroes can do without interference, end quote, which is not true. Like, that was not said. Why would this person, why would Sam Carrier... So I'm sorry, Sylvester Carrier, give a quote like that as a black man in 1923 in Southern in fucking Florida. So the white men see this and they fuck, they're, they're, they come, they come to her house to get him. They want him. They want this fucking Sylvester because of this quote in the New York Times. And um, they believe that the black community in Rosewood was hiding this prisoner still, right? They're still looking oh for this prisoner. Oh my God. Reports about the reports con conflict about who shot first, but after two members of the mob approached the house, someone opened fire. Sarah Carrier was shot in the head. <gasps> Her nine-year-old niece was in the house, Minnie Lee Langley, and she had witnessed Aaron Carrier being taken from the house three days earlier. When Langley heard someone had been shot, she went downstairs to find her grandmother, oh, Emma Carrier. No. Sylvester uh, placed Minnie Lee in a firewood closet in front of him as he watched the front door 
um, in front of him as he watched the front door open using the closet for cover. And she said, quote, he got behind me in the wood bin and he put the, sh- the gun on my shoulder and then them crackers was still shooting and going on. He put his gun on my shoulder, told me to lean this way. And then Polly Wilkerson, he kicked the door down. When he kicked the door down, cuz still let him have it, end quote. Good. Several shots were exchanged. The house was riddled with bullets, <gasps> but the whites did not overtake it. <sighs> the standoff lasted long into the next morning. Remember, there's children upstairs. Um, when Sarah and Sylvester Carrier were found dead inside the house, oh several God. others were wounded, including a child who had been shot in the eye. Oh, my God. Two white men, C.P. Wilkerson and Henry Andrews, were killed. Wilkerson is the one who kicked in the door, and Andrews was right behind him. At least four white men were wounded, one possibly fatally um, the remaining children in the carrier house ran out the back door and into the woods. Oh, they crossed babies. dirt roads one at a time, then hid under brush until they got away from Rosewood. So news of the armed standoff at the carrier house attracted white men from all over the state to take part. Reports like, let's think about this. Are you this, kidding But let's me? think about it. The black people are arming themselves and shooting at white all people right. in this, in our fucking state. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not fucking happening, right? We're not going to allow that to happen. Reports from were carried in the St. Petersburg Independent, the Florida Times Union, the Miami Herald, and the Miami Metro- Metropolis in versions of competing facts and overstatement. The Miami Metropolis listed 20 black people and four white people dead and characterized the event as a race war. National newspapers uh, also put the incident on the front page. The Washington Post and St. Louis Dispatch described a band of heavily armed Negroes and a Negro desperado as being involved. Most of the information came from discreet messages from Sheriff Walker, mob (laughs) rumors, and other embellishment part-time reporters who wired their stories to the Associated Press. Details about the armed standoff were particularly explosive. According to historian Thomas Dye, quote, the idea that blacks and Rosewood had taken up arms against the right way, white race was unthinkable in the deep South, end quote. I love this, and I know you will too. Black newspapers covered the events from a different angle. Yes. The Afro-American in Baltimore highlighted the acts of African-American heroism against the onslaught of savages. Yes. <laughs> Another newspaper reported, quote, two Negro women were attacked and raped between Rosewood and Sumner. The sexual lust of the brutal white mobbis satisfied the woman. The women were strangled, end quote. Oh, God. This had happened, like, over the years. But- it's th- we need to see it from yes. the other side. The yes. white people are the fucking savages yes. in the story. They are the ones, and the black people Every are the time heroes. They're the, in the savages. Story. Yeah. Every time they're the savages. So then the white mob burned black churches in Rosewood. The mob also destroyed destroyed the white church that was there. Many black residents fled for safety into the nearby swamps. Some clothed only in their pajamas. Oh, Wilson Hall was nine years old at the time. He later recounted his mother walking him. Oh, I'm excuse me, waking him to escape into the swamps early in the morning when it was still dark the lights from approaching cars of white men could be seen for miles oh my god the hall family walked 15 miles how through swampland incredibly scary is that that yeah, there's droves coming. and droves of people coming to kill you yeah as children oh. the hall family walked 15 miles through swampland to the town of gulf hammock the survivors recall that it was an uncharacteristic 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 no uncharacteristic yes cold for florida (laughs) and people (laughs) suffered when they spent several nights in raised wooded areas called hammocks to avoid the mob um some took refuge with sympathetic white families sam carter's 69 year old widow hid for two days in the swamps then was driven by a sympathetic white mail carrier under bags of mail to join her family in chiefland oh my god white men begin god that there are some people that will help Mm. 
White men began surrounding houses, pouring kerosene on and lighting them, then shooting all those who emerged. Lexi Gordon, a light-skinned 50-year-old woman who was ill with typhoid fever, had sent her children into the woods. She was killed by a shotgun blast to the face <gasps> when she fled from hiding underneath her home, which had been set on fire by the mob. Oh, my God. What, like, these are women. These are... Women, men, children, like you're looking for one person and you're just going to annihilate. And her like, children have been running out, are running out of the house. Like on January 5th, more whites converged. It's, it's now this day is five. white people. Day five. It's white people yeah. are the problem. Day five of this. More whites converged on the area, forming a mob of between 200 and 300 people. Some came from out of state. They're fucking pissed, right? Mingo Williams, who was 20 miles away near Bronson, was collecting turpentine sap by the side of the road when a car full of whites, 20 miles away from this, uh, stopped to ask his name. As was custom among many residents of Levi County, both black and white, William used a nickname that was more prominent than his given name. When, his, when, when, he, was, his, when he gave his nickname of, which was Lord God, they shot him dead. Sheriff Walker ple pleaded with news reporters covering the violence to send a message to the Alachua County Sheriff P.G. Ramsey to send some assistance. Armed guards sent by Sheriff Walker turned away black people who emerged from the swamps and tried to go home. W.H. Pillsbury's wife secretly helped smuggle people out of the area. He's the one from the turpentine mill. Several white men declined to join the mobs, including the town barber who refused to lend his gun to anyone. He said he did not want his, quote, hands wet with blood, end quote. Governor Carrie Hardy was on standby, ready to order National Guard troops to, in to neutralize the situation. Despite his message to the sheriff of Alachua County, Walker informed Hardy by telegram, this is the sheriff, Walker, he told the governor that he did not, he did not fear, quote, further disorder and urged the gover, governor not to intervene. Wow. And the governor was like, okay. Yeah. The governor's <gasps> office monitored the situation. No! Yeah, in part because of intense Northern interest, but Hardy would not activate the National Guard without Walker's request. Oh Walker insisted he could handle the situation. Clearly, Walker's not handling the situation. Yeah. Records show that Governor Hardy took Sheriff Walker's word and went on a hunting trip. Oh. Yeah, there was a hunting trip already yes, happening. Yes. It was happening in fucking Rosewood, you piece of shit. Fucking children running for their lives. You're supposed oh to be their God. fucking governor too, motherfucker. Taking the word of a white sheriff? This is how fucking times yes. were, though. Ugh. Awful. James Carrier, Sylvester's brother and Sarah's son, had previously suffered a stroke and was partially paralyzed. He left the... And he's in the swamps. He left the swamps and returned to Rosewood. He asked W.H. Pillsbury, the white turpentine mill supervisor, for protection. Pillsbury locked him in a house, but the mob found Carrier <gasps> and tortured him to find out if he had aided Jesse Hunter, the oh escaped convict. Oh, my God. The fucking escaped convict. Enough already. After they made Carrier dig his own grave, they <gasps> shot him. Meanwhile, where's that white bitch? Yeah, where is where's she? Where is she? Where is she? Crying rape. Please, she's probably like, oh my God. People are fucking dying. Children are running for their lives. Houses are being burned to the ground. You lying cunt. Yeah, she's at home. She's at home. Motherfucker. Safe and sound. <laughs> with her baby. Yeah. Safe and sound with her, right? She had a baby. Yeah. Safe and sound at home. Because you had a little itch that needed to be scratched. Bitch, hump the couch. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, or just be or honest. Or be yeah. honest. Yeah, or leave. Yeah. You know, or say it was some white guy. Like you had to have known what would happen by saying it was a black man. You had to have known that but then it, it doesn't that matter because people wouldn't what? let it go. Like black people are less than you. So they, their, their lives don't fucking matter. Or it's Who easy. Cares? Or maybe she just said, oh, I'll just say that. And they'll, they'll, 
you know, that's it. She had to have known that it's not going to, the people aren't going to let that lie, right? <sighs> in, the, in the environment that she's living in. Fucking bitch. God. On January 6th, white train conductors John and William Bryce managed to the evacuation of some black residents to Gainesville. The brothers were independently wealthy Cedar Key residents. They knew the people in Rosewood and had traded with them regularly. As they passed the area, the Bryces slowed their train and blew the horn, picking up women and children. But they did not pick up black men feeling reprisal, fearing reprisal from the mob. Oh. Uh, not good. I don't like that at all. Many survivors boarded the train after having been hidden by General White Store owner John Wright and his wife, Mary Jo. Over the next several days, other Rosewood residents fled to the Wright's house, facilitated by Sheriff Walker, who should have fucking had this bitch under control from the beginning, but didn't, and let this get out of fucking control and did not get help like How he should have from the governor. How many days is this going on? This is day five. <gasps> Um, and he asked the rights to transport people out of town to help him get all these black people out of town because he wasn't doing, he, he it was out of 500 yeah. people. He can't control that. Lee Ruth Davis, a survivor later described the experience. She said, quote, I was laying that, I was laying in that deep, that deep in water. That is where we sat all day long. We got on our bellies and crawled. We tried to keep people from seeing us through the bushes. We were trying to get back to Mr. Wright's house. After we got all the way back to his house, Mr. and Mrs. Wright were all the way out in the bushes, hollering and calling us. And when we answered, they were so glad. She was a kid. She was a little kid. Like this is, you know, there are things that are just like indelible. Like in, yeah. they, they just remain with you. Yeah. And there's so many things I don't remember like this kind of trauma. Mm. So Gainesville's black community took in many of Rosewood's evacuees waiting for them at the train station and greeting survivors as they disembarked oh God, covered in sheets. Oh my God, on Sunday, January 7th, uh, on Sunday, January 7th, a mob of 100 to 150 whites returned to the remaining return to burn the remaining dozen or so what, structures what of Rosewood. With them? And what is all of the, with so them? all of those structures are gone. And like I said earlier, there's one building that's remaining and that was the Wright's home. The people oh. who were the, the white general store owners. That's the only house oh that was not burned God. to the ground. So the aftermath, many people were alarmed by the violence and state leaders feared negative effects on the state's tourist industry. Because the only thing that matters is money, not people's lives. We're not upset that people died. We're upset that we might lose some money. Mm -hmm. Wow, God, I hate people so much. Yeah, some I things, hate some things don't so change. Much. Governor Kerry Hardy appointed a special grand jury and special prosecuting attorney to investigate the outbreak in Rosewood and other incidents in Levi County. In February 1923, the all-white grand jury convened in Bronson, uh, which is where a lot of this stuff was happening. So I wonder who's on that fucking jury. <laughs> Very good possibility. Some of the fucking mob people were on it. Of course. Over several days, they heard 25 witnesses, eight of whom were black. Eight of the 25, but found insufficient evidence to prosecute any perpetrators. You know, I, I just. Anybody want to hear about black history yet? Yeah. Anybody want to fucking know why we need to know this stuff? The judge presiding over the case deplored deplored the actions of the mob. By the end of the week, Rosewood no longer made the front pages of major white newspapers. Officially, the recorded death of the toll of the first week of January 1923 was eight people, six black and two white. Historians disagree about the number. Some survivor stories claim that there may have been up to 27 black residents killed and assert that newspapers did not report the total number of white deaths. Despite nationwide news coverage in both black and white newspapers, the incident and the small abandoned village slipped into oblivion. Most of the survivors scattered around Florida cities and started over with nothing. Oh Many, God. including children, took odd jobs to make ends meet. Education had to be sacrificed to earn income. 
As a result, many of the Rosewood survivors took on manual labor jobs working as maids, shoe shiners, or in citrus factories or lumber mills. The silence was an exception to the practice of oral history among black families. Nobody talked about this. Minnie Lee Langley knew James and Emma Carrier as her parents. She kept the story from her children for 60 years. She said, quote, I don't want them to know what I came through and I didn't want to discuss it with none of them. I just didn't want them to know what kind of way I come up. I didn't want them to know white folks want us out of our own homes, end quote. Ugh. So this is what happens. So for this, for 60 years, nobody discusses it. And I'm like finally there was an, uh, a writer, a journalist in Tampa, who uh, the Tampa Bay Times in the early 90s finds out that this happened. He came across an article. And he starts or... doing investigating. Investigating, wow. there's like not a lot of articles about it. He starts to go talk to the families. The families are like, no, no, no. Like, it's just the kids that are now still well, alive. Well, they're traumatized. And they're like, we don't want to talk about it. So I believe it was Minnie's um, son, Arnett Goins. He starts getting, he's fucking pissed when he finds out what happened. And he's like, fuck this. And like blows it up and starts telling everybody, this is a fucking thing. We need to fucking do something. This is not fair that these families lost everything, whatever. So in 1993, a lawsuit was filed on behalf of Arnett Goins, Minnie <sighs> Lee, Langley, and other survivors against the state government Good. For its failure to protect them and Ooh, their families. Yes. Florida's consideration of a bill to compensate victims of racial <gasps> violence was the first by any U.S. state. Okay. See, we, we there's, there will maybe, no. Well, I mean, no, no, like, no, no. This is a good thing. This is good. I'm like, there, right? there's potential for hope for Florida. Of course. Well, you know. Opponents argued that the bill sent a set a dangerous precedent and put the onus on paying survivors and descendants on Floridians who had nothing to do with the incident. It in doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because guess what? Like people <laughs> are you. still like, it's the same thing. Like when we talk about reparations, like the, the families that are still benefiting from that generational wealth. Yes. They're still benefiting from that generational wealth and that needs to go back. Like, I'm sorry. Like if in the stupid Bernie Madoff thing that I watched, those people that collected yeah. all that money, they had to pay back the money. They had to pay back their money to other people. Yeah. Sorry. Does it suck for you? Cause you made a bad choice. Yes. Oh, well you got to pay it back. Yeah. James Peters, who represented the state of Florida, argued that the statute of limitations applied because the law enforcement officials named in the lawsuit, Sheriff Walker and Governor Hardy, had died many years before. He also called into question the shortcomings of the report. Although the historians were instructed not to write it with compensation in mind, they offered conclusions about the actions of Sheriff Walker and Governor Hardy. All right, let me stop for a second. Because there were very few survivors, they had um, to, to get the lawsuit that the attorneys needed to get um, depositions. And so they had all of the depositions and then historians had to fill in the blanks of like, right. here's what was happening at the time with white people. Here's what it was like if a white woman accused somebody. Right. They had to like set the stage for this because there really wasn't a lot written about it. And because it was quiet for 60 years and everybody forgot about it, people were like, oh, come on. You know what I mean? So right. they had to... So it was very unusual. It's not like they sued them the next day. Well, they sued no. them 60 years later. Yeah. So they had to fill in all of the blanks. And this guy's like, well, how and, do we really and know? And after 60 years, like it's the children are left. Like obviously like the adults yeah. are gone. Exactly. Most of them. Right. So the report was based on investigations led by historians as opposed to legal experts, experts. And they relied on in cases on information that was hearsay from witnesses who, who had since died. Right. So some of them were like grandchildren of like, this is what my grandmother said happened. 
and again, that's hearsay in the court of law, but right. okay. Legislators who agreed with the sentiment of the bill asserted that the events in Rosewood were typical of the era. Era. Of course. Florida reps Al Lawson and Miguel de Grandi uh, argue that unlike Native Americans or slaves who had suffered atrocities at the hands of white whites, the residents of Rosewood were tax-paying, self-sufficient citizens who deserved the protection of local and state law enforcement. While mob lynchings of black people around the same time tended to be spontaneous and quickly concluded, the incident at Rosewood was prolonged over a period of several days. This is what's different. They, and the entire town was burned yeah. to the ground. Some legislators began to receive hate mail, including some claiming to be from Ku Klux Klan members. In 1994, the state legislator held a hearing to discuss the merits of the bill. Lee Ruth Davis died a few months before testimony began, and Minnie Lee Langley, Arnett Goines, Wilson Hall, Willie Evans, and several descendants from Rosewood testified. Other witnesses were a clinical psychologist from the University of Florida and experts who offered testimony about the scale of property damages. After hearing not just the house, what else could have been from this town? Oh my God. What was, what could have been yeah. the generational wealth of, course. of this town? This is, these were not, they were working class folks, but they were also, like we said, middle-class yes. prosperity. They had beautiful they homes. Working, they had their own they town. Were, were, they were building up a community. Right. This is very Wilmington-esque, yes. North Carolina, your story yes. about Wilmington. This was a town that was self-sufficient and working on their own. What else could have been? That's what you really need to, 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 to show and prove, Right. Um, after hearing the evidence, the special master, Richard Hickson, who was preside, who presided over the testimony for the Florida legislature declared that the state had a quote, moral obligation to make restitution to the former residents of Rosewood. He said, quote, I truly don't think they cared about compensation. I think they simply wanted the truth to be known about what happened to them, whether they got 50 cents or $150 million, it didn't matter. End quote. Black and Hispanic legislators in Florida took on the Rosewood Compensation Bill as a cause and refused to support Governor Lawton Child's health care plan until he put pressure on House Democrats yes. to vote for the bill. Yes, this is what I'm talking about. He was this, our last, this was our last Democratic yeah. uh, governor. But I put that all in bold because that is my exact thought. This is what we this need. This is what we need. We're not doing this unless you do that. That's right. Democrats need to grow some balls. Yeah. And we need to be as cutthroat as these other people. Yeah. We need, well, there's so much that we need. Keep going. Childs was offended that oh. they did this as he had supported the compensation bill from its early days, but they were going to make a point. Yeah. They're going to make sure that you put pressure on these other Democrats to support this fucking shit. And it's also always the non-white people who have to do it. I know. Black and, his, and Hispanic legislators. And the legislative caucus, uh, caucuses had previously promised their support for his health care plan. The legislature passed the bill and Governor Child signed the Rosewood Compensation Bill, a $2.1 million package to compensate survivors and their descendants. Are you serious? Yes. This is amazing. Seven survivors yeah. and their families family members were present at the signing to hear trials. And he said, quote, because of their strength and commitment of these survivors and their families, the long silence has finally been broken and the shadow has been lifted. Instead of being forgotten because of their testimony, the Rosewood story is known across our state and across our nation. The legislation assures that the tragedy of Rosewood will never be forgotten by the generations to come, end quote. And this is why if we're learning about Florida history, like why aren't we learning about th this stuff? Like, and there are ways that you can talk about these incidents if you're talking to younger children that don't have to be graphic. Right. Right. No, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like it's all about, oh, we got to protect the children. Like nobody is going to, anyone talking to a child or teaching a child about incidents in history that are violent and graphic, like don't add those details. Like you use language appropriate for 
the age. And I don't think there's anything wrong with understanding and then seeing like, here's what happened to fix, yeah. right? It's, it's a, I mean, it's not a fix, but that these families now are able to have something, to have that recognition, to have some compensation. Yeah. Like that's, that's a good thing. And that, 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 that's the thing that you highlight and talk about like why this is important, why this was an important moment in history and how we have to keep moving forward. Yep. So later, the Florida Department of Education set up Rosewood Family Scholarship Fund for Rosewood descendants and ethnic minorities. And this is actually pretty recent, like 2020. They did this. And wow. yeah. And so if you can prove that you are descendant, you get $6,100 a year for school. <gasps> That's incredible. I think it's incredible too. So that was Rosewood, Rosewood Massacre. And I'd like to also say something else. When doing the story, I found a number of massacres like even when oh, they were describing uh, it it was like and this one happened here and yeah, this one happened uh, here there's, and this there's one i've like, had on my is, list for florida that, like we know tulsa yeah uh we know wilmington thanks to your story like this one like there are stories like this is not a one-off this happened where towns and were all erased over, all over the united states like yeah. and the other thing is like 1923 that's 100 years ago right but there's people alive today who that was their grandparents yeah. Right. That these stories are, it's still within, this isn't 400 years ago, like that it's so far removed. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's still part of a family's history. That to me is very current. If it's Absolutely. A, if you're at a grandparent level. I also saw a really spooky picture. Maybe I'll put it in my notes. I, I don't know, but it was just like a highway and it had a sign that said Rosewood, but like, there's nothing there. Like there's <sighs> just nothing there. It's so insane to me. It's, it's awful. Also, the fact that this town was built around commerce and business. Yes. And then when the business went away, but they the still, folks that yes, stayed there actually were able, were able to continue to live and have their home and like make like it's when it's 300 people in this very small area and everybody knows each other. Like think about the devastation. But it could have been 600. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it could have continued to grow it's and just, develop. It's wild to me. Hey, I'm Lauren. And I'm John. And we host the Beard Out Podcast, the podcast where we talk about two of the greatest things in the world, beer and Beard Out. And a lot of other things. We're funny. Uh, yeah, that's basically what I told him to say. Good job with your I script. Listen. Yay. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, we try and pair a beer with a Weird Al song and talk about both things and go where the conversation takes us. It's fun. I promise. You'll like it. Yeah. I mean... If you like talking about random things as well as, you know, fine craft beers and some wonderful craft music. All right. Are you ready? I am so ready. <gasps> so ready. Oh. Today we're bringing you heavy bullshit. I hope Tina, are you going to lighten it up or no? Um. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's not so bad. I hope everybody took it's their Xanax so before it's you. It's not so bad. <gasps> That's a good song. <laughs> okay. Is, th is that Dido? Yes. <laughs> Remember that? I want to thank you. Ooh. Is that the same song? Like no. Me the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> and I. Yes. Remember yes she, didn't yes. you do a song with Eminem? That was the song. Oh, that was, was it? like that was the track. It was Stan. <laughs> it was Stan. The number one fan, Stan. I, I don't know what the fuck. You don't know that song? No. Oh, girl, I'll play it for you later. 
But Dido, <laughs> why does Dido remind me of Renee Zellweger? Was there a Dido song in Bridget Jones' Diary or something? Oh, Is I that the know. connection that's happening Maybe. in my brain? Maybe. What happens in this brain? I know. When I, when <laughs> I watched that movie, um, uh, what's the movie, the the Pixar movie, where it's like the all- ang- The emotions, anger- uh, uh, Inside out. Inside out. Yeah. I'm like, what is my, what do my people look oh, like? Oh God. They're so tired. They're yeah. so old and tired. <laughs> they want a nap. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Oh goodness. We are one month and two days until my birthday. <gasps> well, today's the fourth. So happy birthday. Ooh, we got to do something fun. Yeah. What are we going to do? I don't know. Let's do something fun. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's in my head. That's in my head. Oh my gosh. All right. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of Bob Filner. I already hate him. Yeah. Bob. I mean, my, okay. My brother's name yeah. is Bob. My first, the first love of my life was named Bob. Bob. My high school sweetheart. Bobby. Oh, Aww. Bobby. I call my brother Damn, Bobby. So, my Bobby. high school boyfriend was so fucking cute. Oh. <gasps> He played soccer. He was Italian. Oh, mm. well, there you go. I mean, oh, honey. not for nothing, those Italians. He had a little, he would wear Italian horn. <gasps> oh, gold chain, Italian yes! horn. Yes. Oh, my God. Mm. Okay. Let's, you better start moving on before I date you. <laughs> so cute. So cute. I had the cutest boyfriend in high school. Fuck y'all, y'all. I had the cutest fucking boyfriend in high school. Oh, my God. He's adorable. Oh, that's cute. Mm. Okay. Hey. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what's going on? I'm thinking about his. Uh, oh, what's what's inside? I'm what's happening inside out over I'm there? I'm thinking about his bedroom where oh. the laundry room was next to the bedroom, but you had to like walk to the laundry room, and his room was here. It was open. There was no door, so you to the laundry room. And I remember, ooh, being I... very busy, and his mom opened the door to go to the laundry room. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> get out! Get out! Get out! Uh, that is stand, hilarious. How fast can you stand yeah. up and pull your pull your pants up? <laughs> oh, hey, hey, listen, yeah, I didn't have my own place. You had to do what you had to do. You know you what I'm know. saying? Well, you gotta. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. But don't. Here's the fucked up thing. My children are getting to the age where I was doing shenanigans, yeah. and I keep thinking I can't imagine my daughter at 15 doing the things that I was doing or 16. Like <sighs> I am worried. I know it's. And now but I understand what my mom's face was like when I was like, I think I need to go on birth control. And she was like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because she was not, had no clue what was going on. Oh my God. I could never, ever even say those words to my mom. Mm. Jesus. Well, his mother smartly was like, honey, you need to go talk to your mother because she didn't want her son. Of course. No, I pregnant. think that's, no, I think it's smart. <laughs> this is, seems like a Patreon episode. Let's yes. move on. This okay. is the kind of stuff that we talk about yes. on Patreon, Yes. Y'all. Why, why don't you Patreon. sign up? Sign up, Sign up already. I'll tell you about the time I lost my virginity. Ooh, hi. <laughs> oh, yeah, it wasn't that hot. <laughs> <laughs> As one should be. It should not be hot. It should not yeah. be hot. No. All right. So Bob Filner mm. served in the House of Representatives for 20 years be- before becoming mayor of San Diego. But when allegations of assault arose, Ugh. Filner's career plummeted. San Diego, beautiful city. San Diego. Fucking gorgeous. Yes. So this takes place around 2013. And this guy was born in the Berg, baby. Oh. Pittsburgh. Tina's in old Squirrel stomping. Hill uh, back in 1942. So he went to college at Cornell and studied history. 
He was arrested for participating as a freedom writer in 1961. Wow. In 1963, he earned his PhD in history and became a professor at San Diego State University, which brought him to California. Mm. He taught there for two decades. And as far as his political career, he was elected to the San Diego City Council in 1987 until 1993. Then he was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives, where he served from 1993 until 2012. Then he returned to San Diego and he became mayor in 2012. Jeez. So as far as his politics as a House member, he was a Democrat and he was a founding member of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. Mm -hmm. His voting record, of course, was like everything that you would want it to be. And this is coming from, um, there's a website that it's called the Issues Web website and it just sh tracks and shows you like how politicians have voted on particular issues. Mm -hmm. And it shows that he was str in strong support of a women's right to choose. He was in support of same-sex marriage, um, equal rights in race and gender. So, um, and he was against like all the right things. Like he was against the three strikes and you're out law. Mm. He was um, against abs the absolute right to gun ownership, like all of the things, right? So- Seems to be um, someone that we're like, okay, yeah, the great career. Yeah. Like someone, Depending on what side of the aisle you're on. Right. Well, to for, us, he for sounds us, great. For us, he sounds yeah, great. Sounds right? great. But like many men in power from mm. the boomer generation, mm. there was a treatment of women that they found acceptable, right? Or that they thought was oh, just in jest and, you know what I mean? Um, that really wasn't acceptable that these women had to deal with over the years. Um, but he becomes mayor and it's now we're in the middle of 2000s you're old and like the, the maybe those shenanigans that you were doing earlier in your career like women aren't going to just take anymore right Good. because yes back in the day women didn't really feel like they maybe had a voice to be able to object to some of that treatment so basically the major incident happens about six months after his election to being san diego's mayor mm. and filner according to ballotpedia was accused of sexual harassment by Irene McCormick Jackson, who worked as a communication director for Filner during his time as mayor. And at the time, according to Ballopedia, McCormick Jackson stated, quote, he thought it was acceptable behavior to regularly make sexual comments that were crude and disgusting. Some things that he did to McCormick Jackson, according to KPBS, so I got a lot of my... Um, um, information from a series of news articles done by uh, the KPBS uh, station. He told her she should work without her panties on. <laughs> I, you know, when, sometimes when you say these things or whatever, you say, so I imagine I start to picture myself, at, I immediately picture myself at work and think and about someone saying my boss saying that to me. Yeah. It is so fucking horrific. Yeah. It's so gross. Yeah. I mean, I told you about the, the, I, that I had a boss that said that he wanted to put me over his knee and spank me um that i made a nice ornament for the front desk like let me just make clear no one's ever sexually harassed me at work <laughs> <laughs> i mean <laughs> ever but you've worked at the same place with a great that's boss. true uh, my bosses you know are I mean? incredible dudes so you were lucky real. that you had like, you're right a good you're op, right you know? you're right um he also <laughs> said that he wanted to see her naked he said he wanted to consummate their relationship what the fuck yeah. he demanded kisses and then this was a thing that he did. Okay. Did she kiss him when he demanded it? No, it was like he like forced, oh, like wow. trying to force yeah, kisses. No, so gross. But, but listen to this thing that he sort of became, I guess, like several women came out and oh. said that he did this thing. Okay. He would put them in a headlock. He'd put women in a headlock and make sexual remarks and like try to like drag them around and like, you know, like to have this. It's weird. Oh, my God. 
So I want to know what's psychologically happening with this motherfucker. You know, like that alone. Like, was he married, or do you know if he was? Yeah, yes, he was married. Mm. Married, divorced twice. Mm. Um, McCormick Jackson. Um, after her, more women began to come forward. Some accounts that I read said thirteen women. Some say about seventeen, and then others say that it was closer to thirty. So there was a number of women through the years that then started to come forward. Once this one woman came forward, another city employee at the time. Stacy McKenzie, according to KPBS, accused Vilner of rubbing her breasts and grabbing her in a headlock as well. What the fuck? Michelle Tyler. Maybe he was just a big wrestling fan. (laughs) (laughs) What would his wrestling name be? Ugh, pig. Uh, Ugh, pig. It's a good name. (laughs) (laughs) Michelle Tyler. (laughs) You know how much I said about Trump? Oh my god, pig, pig. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Michelle Tyler encountered Filner when she was trying to help out a military vet friend, and allegedly Filner asked her for a sexual relationship. Jesus. I mean, here's the thing. You throw it out there enough times, someone's going to pick up on it. I, I mean, that's what he's doing. It's he's so fucking throwing gr- a line but it's out. Gross. It's it is it's gross. It's disgusting. At work, no. Go to a bar and start oh, hitting, wait, flowing, wait. throwing your line out. Don't do it to people at work. So so what is have you do you remember like ever like a, a bad line that someone ever said to you? Ooh. I have one. I mean, I have one good story and it was such a good line. I I mean, bad oh, lines. Wait. wait, what was your good line? Oh my, did I ever tell you the story about the soccer at this the the Irish soccer team? No, but hi, Iris. <laughs> hi. Yes. Ooh, we should actually make this Patreon exclusive content. Okay, I will. I <gasps> will. Let's do it. We're going to do okay. a Patreon. <laughs> if you want to hear these two stories, you better pay up. Pay oh, that such a money. good story. That shout out, shout out to my friend Leanne and my friend Devin who were there. Woo! And we fucking hung out with this Irish soccer team. <gasps> um, baby, when I tell you these motherfuckers walked in the door and were the cutest fucking. Oh, and I then they had that it. accent. Oh, and no, I was accent, like, forget it. I knew this guy, Ian. I like fell off who my had chair. An I was Irish like, accent. excuse oh. me, excuse me. And yeah, I, I'll leave it at this. I, I still wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I said to my friends. I wonder what it's like to have sex with a leprechaun. (laughs) 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 Because that's what they sounded like, but they were like soccer players are fucking hot. Well, when they're hot to be, yeah, I mean, fuck, uh, they're just hot. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. We got to move on. We're moving on, but tune into Patreon. Write that down. Write that down. Because we can't forget. Patreon Irish soccer players. Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) And when I say soccer, I mean, you know, not, not, we're talking about, like a real yeah. team. Yeah. Okay. Hi. <sighs> All right. So. One of the greatest regrets of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so he was also accused of kissing a woman on the lips at a meet the mayor event. Oh my God. Meet the mayor. <laughs> Not make out with the mayor. You're confused, bro. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my, oh my God. He's like so, the host of uh, Family Feud. Oh, that guy. The Richard, Richard Dawson. Dawson. <laughs> Oh my God. All right. Oh, that's the name of this episode. It's Richard, it's Dawson. Richard Dawson. Oh my God. I can't believe we both knew that oh motherfucker's name. He was so gross. Like when no, you look no back on it offender. now, you're like, no, oh God, stop, <laughs> stop. Assault, assault. Oh my God. So another woman, Patty Roscoe, according to the Atlantic, alleged that he tried to kiss her on the lips and put her in the headlock. So like, this was his thing. Like, I guess it's a way to just, it's weird. You know what? I'm going to start doing this to it's men. <laughs> we can headlock to this. Give me a kiss. Come on. Do it. 
it or tickle, oh like God. tickle them. Like let's just the fucking assault the fuck out of everybody. <laughs> everybody. Morgan Rose alleged that he tried to kiss her several times when she met with him about an initiative she was working on. This was when he was in Congress. Oh my God. A political consultant, Laura Fink, alleged that he grabbed her behind at a fundraising dinner. He also allegedly forced his executive assistant in almost daily sexual harassment, from forcing her to grab his crotch to locking her in his office and asking for sex. What? Some of the other victims included a retired Navy admiral, a San Diego University dean, and a great-grandmother who volunteered at City Hall. You put her in headlock? Grandma? <laughs> I don't know. Jesus, Marana. What the fuck? Grandma God. in a headlock. <laughs> God damn it. There's too many fucking good titles. I, I don't know what to do. Grandma, Grandma in a headlock. And the stories are so similar, right? The forced kissing How and many forcibly women? This like is trying to restrain these women. Ugh. So at first, Filner denied the allegations and he refused to leave his seat because. Yeah. Instead, according to several sources, he went to rehab for two weeks. Mm. Filner also. How many people, how many nurses were in headlock at that point? (laughs) (laughs) According to the Los Angeles Times, he believed that his office had been bugged. Then, (laughs) I know, give it up, guys. So then this recall effort went into effect and more people asked for his resignation, including other people that like once maybe supported him and were part of, you know, the, the city commission. And yeah. one former city councilwoman, Donna Fry, wrote a letter to Filner asking him to step down. She wrote, according to KPBS, quote, I cannot in good conscience remain silent on this, even if those who have spoken to me choose to do so out of fear of retribution or the possibility of a media circus where they could be twice victimized. Political consultant Laura Fink, and she was one that, um, uh, uh, he grabbed her behind, uh, told the Los Angeles Times, quote, Bob Filner is dragging the good name and integrity of more than 20 women through the mud Ooh. to try to salvage his disgraced reputation. Damn. San Diegans paid a heavy price for his behavior. The least he could do for the victims and our city is to go away. Damn. But eventually he ends up resigning of his own accord. So the charges that he had uh, were felony, false imprisonment, and using force, that the headlock, a misdemeanor count of battery for kissing women without them wanting it. <laughs> Filner finally takes a plea deal, and he mit- admits guilt to some of the allegations. But little P.S., guess who the state attorney was? The state attorney general. Oh, is it Kam- Kamala Harris? Uh, Kamala. <laughs> so she was um, the person that he made the plea agreement with. Mm-hmm. So the sentencing, as usual... Filner gets a slap on the wrist and is sentenced to 90 days of house arrest. He should have been sentenced to headlocks. Yeah. And three years probation, along with having to get treated by a mental health therapist. Jesus. What the fuck are you going to unpack with this guy? You know, this man's house is like all fancy, like three months of like ordering in and lounging around. Like it's bullshit. Like he didn't get, what, what trouble did he get into? During his sentencing, he said, quote, I want to apologize to my family who have stood by me through this ordeal, to my loyal staff and supporters, the citizens of San Diego, and most sincerely, to the women I have hurt and offended. Okay. Okay. I was waiting. I was going to see. All right. They should have been first. Yes. But okay. The Deputy Attorney General, Melissa Mandel, stated, quote, today is the day that Bob Filner begins to pay his debt to the citizens of San Diego. So the aftermath, the city was sued because he was the mayor. Yep. So, um... They, they, they sue him, and uh, McCormick, who was the first person to come out, uh, was awarded $250,000, um, and uh, her lawyer was uh, Gloria Allred. 
Mm. And another article noted that the city ended up settling for $667,000, but that might have been for another aid. So there were like several lawsuits that then ended up happening. Then city manager Janet Goldsmith had this to say, quote, California law holds the city as an employer strictly liable for sexual harassment conduct of a supervisor, including the mayor, directed at a city employee. Mm. So other things uh, that happened for him as far as the aftermath, he wasn't allowed to run for office during his house sentence and probationary period. He also lost his pension, but Mm. only for the period of accusations. So only about that six-month time as mayor, but his other pensions like he could collect. Meanwhile, he was doing all this before. Yeah, I mean, he also incurred a fine of $1,500, according to the Times of San Diego. The article also noted that he could have his probation reduced to what's called, quote, informal probation, and he could petition to have the felony changed to a misdemeanor on his record, like after he finishes everything, which is annoying. Um, This I thought was funny, and I have a picture of it, but Hooters banned Filner from their restaurant, and they had a sign in their window that said, quote, we believe women should be treated with respect. And like, and it's like, you're like his name, like you're not allowed to come in this establishment. Yeah. Damn Hooters. I know like, Hey, uh, according (laughs) according to KESQ, when he got out of rehab, opponents of Filner threw a not welcome back party. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, get out. Wow. Um, so some points of interest. After the first woman came out, the sheriff's office actually created a hotline um, after Filner admitted to, quote, disrespecting and even intimidating women in the past. So they, like, set oh this God, up so women dude. can call and, you know, mm. um, put their accusations in. According to KPBS, Filner was the first Democratic mayor in 20 years. Wow. And, of course, he screws it all up. Uh, Another thing I found interesting was an article, again from KBPS, that focused on how no one really rallied to support Filner. And the article noted that he would often be, quote, needlessly provocative or offensive. Like, he essentially had this reputation of being a bully. And one staffer told KPBS, quote, I bet you could ask him my wife's name, my kids' names, after working with him for 15 years, and he wouldn't have a clue. Mm. Like, he was just known for just, like you know, poking at people, like, especially when he was in Congress. Right. In 2016, a former chief of staff, Lee Burdick, came out with a book called Bob Filner's Monster. According to that book, Filner allegedly told someone that he only hit on women to boost their (laughs) self-esteem. We don't need you, dude. Thank you, but no thank you. We don't need that favor. (laughs) Especially coming from you. I can't imagine what this motherfucker looks like. Well, Bob Filner thinks I'm cute. I know. (laughs) I guess I must be beautiful. I must be high. Oh, but Bob Filner, he hit on me and put me in a headlock. Oh, God, I must be a Cindy Crawford. Oh, my God. Fuck off. (sighs) In 2017, uh, rep uh, Diana Diggett of Colorado alleged, so this is now after. Jesus. Alleged during an interview on Meet the Press that Filner harassed her when she served with him in the U.S. House saying he tried to kiss her while on an elevator. So again, What's like happening the elevator. in the elevators? It's like that space. It's that small space that they're like, I got 10 they seconds. They better put cameras in those motherfuckers. You know? Do they have cameras like, in there? Like, just leave women alone already. 
Jesus. In 2018. But I mean, I, I love kissing. Don't get me oh. wrong. I mean, I'm here for a good makeout yes, session. Yes. But, but with someone you want to make out yeah, with. Yeah, but somebody you, who's a basically a, col- a colleague of yours, you're going to hump, jump on them and take a kiss in an elevator? It's weird. What happens in your brain that makes you think that that's okay to do? It's so, it's so fucking wild. It's so weird. It's weird. In 2018, he tried to redeem himself by coming out and speaking about the hashtag Me Too movement. Oh, boy. And said, quote, Oh, boy. The harm I did to anyone, of course, I continue to sincerely apologize. (laughs) I think as we get through this and the Me Too movement uh, does have a powerful effect. We have to get through a balance. Also, there's due process. If people do work hard to change, there is some redemption there. There is some forgiveness. Guy, you shouldn't have said nothing. You know what I mean? Like, just stay away. Nobody cares. No one cares. Is that it? That's the story of the groping mayor. San Diego. Listen. Bob Filner. This, w- that last bit you just said reminds me of uh, Louis C.K., who uh, I fucking was a huge fan of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge yeah, yeah. fan of, okay? He was just at Madison, had a show at Madison Square Garden in New York. Huge venue. And there was this TikTok that kind of went viral of this white girl who's like, with she's in front of the building and it's got his picture like you know she, maybe she, I think she just went to a show and she was like I really she's I'm gonna say something and just hear me out hear me out but I really think that we should reevaluate when people who are this talented um get canceled like we really should and I'm thinking he he's at he Madison Square Garden that's not canceled he didn't get canceled how much money he made fucking at that should venue? he fucking should what he did to women and you're going to stand there and defend it? I, it's it's. How about go get a job at a fucking hardware store and crack your jokes there, motherfucker? Yeah. See or, how far that goes. Yeah, go work at a hardware store in New York and jerk off in front of the employees there and see how far that gets you. <laughs> Someone's going to get a hammer and smash your fucking head in. It's so gross. What you did to women is absolutely it's disgusting. It's assault. And you used your power as a, as a very famous comedian to lure women in. And then as they're standing there and talking to you, you took your dick out and jerked <laughs> off in front of them. That's what you did yeah, so and made them watch you jerk ugh. off. Which Nobody wants to see And that. who wants to delve Nobody into that psychology that. of it? Yeah. But yeah, let's buy tickets to Madison Square Garden and see Louis C.K. Yeah. I was the biggest Louis C.K. fan. Fucking huge. Really? Loved I never, everything he did. I never he did shows that nobody watched and I fucking watched. I think he's a brilliant genius, but he's also a fucking psychopath. He's a psychopath. And he made enough money to go away Forever. Because he's he's not smart. He's not dumb. He was selling his stuff himself. All of his shows, you had to pay him. He didn't sell them. Oh, it wasn't them. like Ticketmaster? No, he had, a, um, <clears throat> he had a TV show with Steve Buscemi that was so fucking good. But you had to go on his website and download it. Like all of his work and all of his things, he was the one person making the money off of those things. So he made plenty of money to never have to come out of his house again. But you know... He's so talented. He has so much to say. He's got to have new shows. He's got to go out and test his routine and get yeah. a fucking show on Ma- at Madison Square Garden when he really should just fucking go away. Because we cannot continue. If we want the world to change, we right. have to hold these motherfuckers accountable and let them know that but you then can- we are not going to give you any more of our money. But then there's women like that that are like, mm. yeah, but he's so talented. He's so All right, fine. Then go you, you who love him so much, go in a room with him and watch him jerk off in front of yeah. you. Someone yeah. who admired him, trusted him, looked up to him, thought he would use his influence that he was going to help these women. And then in a, in a fucking meeting, takes his dick out and starts jerking off in front of them as they're talking. It's so disgusting. It's so fucking disrespectful. Well, it's just, it's, it's such a violation. It's a violation. God. It's like we don't matter. No. 
That's what you're saying when you do that to that woman, that she's just there as if she's just like a chair in the room. And as a human being, she doesn't matter. What you're doing in front of her doesn't matter how it affects her. She never gave you permission. She never was there for that. Mm. Like, what are you doing? You're a fucking sick piece of shit. (sighs) Yeah, you know what he should do, Madison Square Garden? And while he's inside, burn the fucking place to the ground. (laughs) So fucking tired of dudes. I'm so tired of dudes. Although... So, okay, let's end on a happy note. Have you have you watched The Last of Us or no? No, I haven't. I know, I need to. You I need, need to, because I, I, I got to talk I know, about the third episode with you. I know, I know, I know. My mom's been on my case uh, about it with Nick Offerman, <gasps> who I fucking love. You, I love him. Okay, just watch it. All right. Okay, that's all. Oh, nothing, yeah, that's it. Are you sure? Yeah. It's a very long episode. I know. We got to cut this out. We got to go. We got to go. Okay. <laughs> I'm going down to Wynwood, bitch. Ooh, that's Miami. Fun. I'm going to be the opposite. I'm going to be in uh, West Palm. This is like a, a sports activities life with uh, these children. <laughs> that's my Sunday mornings. Uh, All right. Well, hey. Right. Bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please go to our website, www.themuckpodcast.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast and on our Twitter at Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support with exclusive content, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do this without you.